It is such a beautiful, we're, we're enjoying the weather, we're enjoying everything about what God is doing, who God is in the heart and life of our church family. And if you look at your notes, you'll see up at the title, Recharge is the title of our series. I want to talk about this for, for three weeks. Matter of fact, you do not want to miss next week. John Peterson and I are going to be sharing the message together, uh, and you don't want to miss it. We're, what we're going to talk about this morning, John and I are actually going to talk about what, what does it take to actually do that and apply it in our lives, and, and how simple and practical is it? This is November. Thankfulness and gratitude are thoughts that really come to the surface for us, and and, you know, I got I, it's just thinking in terms of thanksgiving and, and how blessed we are, even when there's so much negative and, and stuff going on uh, in our world, the reality is we are so blessed and so fortunate. And when I think of gratitude, so often we think of it as an attitude, when the reality is gratitude is a practice. You actually have to practice it and apply it. We, we actually have to take Take the time to express gratitude, and, and then moments become monuments, and we become encouraged by it, and others become encouraged. And, and God's, God's desire for us is to live a life of gratitude. How many of you remember your first car? Some of you haven't gotten it yet. I, I, I get that. Okay. But, but how many of you remember your first car? Yeah. See, I, I remember my first car. My first car was a 1963 Oldsmobile 88 convertible silver. It was my Aunt Norma's car. Aunt Norma, see, Uncle Allie and Aunt Norma were like our favorite aunt and uncle. Uncle Allie and Aunt Norma, they, had, they, had, they were the only one with an in-ground swimming pool out on Long Island in Massapequa Park. And, and, and we lived about 25 minutes from there. So that was our favorite place to go. And, and, and there's so many other things that they had that, that we didn't have. And, and Uncle Allie worked for a, a company, had a great job, and, 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 and they, they, they were just so generous, and, and Uncle Ali, his car, he, he always got a brand, every two years, brand new Buick Electra 225. He worked for a company that told him he could have any car he wanted, and of course, the big deal for most people would have been a Cadillac. Uncle Ali didn't want a Cadillac. He wanted a Buick Electra 225. So they provided his car. Uncle Allie always bought a nice car for Aunt Norma. Aunt Norma, it came time for Aunt Norma to get a new car. She got a new car. So they, I noticed when we were out there, they had a for sale sign on Aunt Norma's 88 Oldsmobile convertible. And so I said to my dad, I, I, I'd like to know what they're asking for that. So my dad called his sister, Norma, and said, what, what, James wants to know what you're asking for the car. And Aunt Norma said, if James, he wants it, he can have the car. My first car was free, and it was nice. But what I remember about that car is it is in that car that I learned that you had to put fuel in the tank. <laughs> and you had to be careful not to let it get down to where it was close to being empty. And, and that now was my responsibility, and, and I, I began to recognize the tension that would come along with, with, with being low on fuel. 
Now, I moved on from there to a 1970 Challenger, and then I moved on in there in 74 to going down to the Chevy dealership and ordering a 1974 one-ton Chevy pickup the way that I wanted it. In those days, you had to actually order it and wait for it if you wanted certain things in it. So I did that. But it was in that first car that I became very aware of what it was like to drift down and be close to running on empty. But most of us today, we, we deal with it in our cars, but we also deal with it with our cell phones. I'll be on my phone, and, and if I didn't do what I should have done the night before and plugged it in, sometime during the day, uh, 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 this, this thing will pop up on the screen and let me know that my battery is low and I need to be recharged. For the next three weeks, I want to talk about being spiritually recharged. When, when you find yourself getting empty, and if you have your notes in front of you, if you look down at the title, you'll realize what the title says. The title says it's not what you think. The answer to the question is not what you think. And I kind of want to land a plane on that this morning, and then, and then we'll, we'll expand on that next week. But, but God does not want us to go through life on empty. It is uncomfortable to go through life on empty. It's uncomfortable to go through life feeling spiritually empty. Maybe something has happened in your life, and you feel like, you, you feel like you've just landed there. You may feel like you're stuck there. But, but all of us, here's what, I know, here's what I know about all of us. We find ourselves in places in life where we just, we just, we just realize at, at some point, you know what, I, I just feel spiritually empty. And there are people who greeted you when you came in this morning. Our greeters greeted you. And, and in our last service, our, and after this service, our prayer team's going to be up front. And, and if you were to have this conversation, even with them and, and, and our greeters and, and people who you see serving, even in children, see, all of us have this in common. There are a few of us. There, there are a few people this morning here who would say, you know what? I get up in the morning. I read my Bible every single day. I spend time with God every single day. And I'm living, and, and I'm, I'm never spiritual empty. And that may be true. But here's what I got to tell you. Most of us in this room, there are times that we just feel spiritually empty. We end up there feeling spiritually empty. God does not want us to stay there. When I'm spiritually empty, I just put a whole list together of things that I recognize that some of these will happen or some of these will happen. When I'm spiritually empty, I recognize that I'm probably more anxious than I usually am. I recognize that I'm probably shallower than I am when I'm spiritually full. And, and so often I'm confused. A decision will have to be made, and, and, and I won't be as clear on it. Or, or, or I even recognize sometimes that I'm more selfish, or I'm, I'm easily angered when I'm spiritually empty. I'm more easily tempted. And in light of all this, I just recognize that, that I'm distant from God, because that's, that's where I end up being. 
And I'm, I'm no different than you. you see, when you pull into our parking lot, here's what you don't see. You don't see one of those signs that says, parking space reserved for pastor. We don't, we don't, we don't have one of those for me here. Because I am no, and, and I understand why churches have them, and I'm not putting churches down that do have them. That's, that's all fine. But, but we, we, I am no different than you. And I land in places where I just feel spiritually empty. The Apostle Paul just kind of steps in on this. I also recognize, you know, if I don't, if I don't, re, if I don't recharge, that, that, that thing comes up and tells me, hey, you, you need to recharge soon. And I know that all of us can relate to this, or most of us anyway. We can relate to feeling spiritually empty. But here's what I know about our church. We have this, in spite of that, we have this inherent desire. We have a desire to connect with God. We have a desire to get beyond spiritually empty. We're transparent enough, and, and, and we're willing to have this conversation with each other, and that's really how, why, why I'm landed on talking about this, because I know, and in talking with another, we, we, we find, even in my life, we find ourselves in a place where we are spiritually empty, and Paul exposes what, what it means to be spiritually full. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, he says, may you experience the love of Christ. May you experience the love of Christ. He doesn't say, may you understand the love of Christ. May you, been, may you kind of begin to see what the love of Christ is. Paul says, may you, he's talking to all of us believers, may you experience the love of Christ Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. So you're not going to understand it, so don't worry about that. He, he, I feel like he's talking directly to me. Because I feel like, well, I, 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 just, I just don't know that, I, I don't, can't wrap my brain around this. I turn on the television. Some of us are older here, okay? We remember television being this big glass tube. And how many, how many of you remember that? And, and when, you, when you turned it on, this, this thing had to kind of warm up, and then, then it, then it kind of came on. And, and then when you shut it off, it kind of did weird things and then shrank down to a little dot. Do you, do you guys remember this stuff? And then, then that thing finally shut off. I never understood television. I, they taught it to us in school. They explained it all. Our science class, they explained it all to us. And then I, I still never under, I don't understand how that works. And, and now most of us have television coming to our house through a cable, which is, one, which is a combination of a couple of wires, but one of them is a, is a wire, right? And all this comes through that one wire in the middle of a cable. And, and this comes to this flat screen that we have. And now it's high def. You can see their pimples. You can see everything on everybody. And all of this comes through. And it's, I, I don't understand how that works. And Paul is saying, it's just like your television set. You're not going to understand it. And don't, don't get caught up on trying to understand it. He says, then you will be filled with the fullness of life and the 
power that comes from God. God knows that you are empty, and he doesn't want us to stay empty. His love is going to fill you up even though you're not going to understand it. That is flat out encouraging to me. I don't have to understand it. I want to talk about this for three weeks. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture for three weeks. But it's so cool that God has this love for me. He wants this for me. And he wants it for you. He doesn't give us a self-help thing to follow and do. He, he gives this to us. Even though I am not going to understand it. Me, James. Sinful James. Selfish James. Sometimes stupid James. I had one of those experiences this week where it just, Karen reacted to something that I'd said which just clearly made me understand that I was stupid James. And God wants this for me, and he wants it for you. You know, the question, if I were to, if, if, if you were feeling spiritually empty, and I were to ask you, so what do you need to do to get recharged? Here's what I know about all of us. We would respond to that question. And here's what I know about our answer. It's not what you think. Some of us would say, well, to be recharged, I, I, I need to read my Bible more. To be recharged, I, I need to pray more. I need to get up early in the morning and spend more time. None of those would be wrong. None of those would be wrong. And listen, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We should be doing those things. And, and in doing those things, our relationship with God grows and moves and he changes and he, and he does things and he changes us to be more like what he wants us to be. And we think, well, I, maybe I should memorize more scripture. And, and we start this list. And, and, and this list, here's the reality. This list becomes a recipe for failure. Because we think to be recharged, I've got to do more things. And while all of the things that we would put on our list are, are, are foundations in our faith, they, 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 I'm not saying we need to throw those out the window. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But while they are that important in our walk with Christ, most of us, when, when we find ourselves needing to be recharged spiritually, it's because we've gotten hung up on stuff that we should do, and yet we become frustrated because we have not been able to do it all, and then we move into failure mode, and we're stuck there. And some of us would say, you know what, that's true, that describes me. That is where I am, or that's where I have found myself. What did Jesus do over and over again? He didn't say, come and follow me. Have I got a list for you to do? He never did that. 
Did he change them? Did he take them deeper? Absolutely. But he invited, he gave an invitation to everyone that he connected with, an invitation into a relationship. Peter, James, John, come follow me. Come and be with me. Philip, Thomas, Matthew, Zacchaeus, are you kidding me? Come and be with me. Over and over again, he invited them. Come and be with me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, and, and you're carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He did not say, I will give you a list of things to do. I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. He doesn't take his yoke off and give it to us. His yoke has two spots, one for him and one for us. And what he does is his yoke with him, with Jesus together and us, with his yoke on, he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, because I'm humble and I'm gentle, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said, come on. Come with me. Jesus says, follow me. In John 8, chapter 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to protect you. I, I'm, if you follow me, you, you, you won't waste years stumbling through life. Because you will have the light that leads to life. I'm going to protect you, he says. Jesus says, be with me. He, he said, look, when it's all said and done, he, he invites us into relationship with him. And we walk through our lives in relationship with him. And he says, when it's all said and done, in John 14, 3, when everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so that you will always be with me where I am. When you think about your spiritual life, when, when I think about my spiritual life, here's my question. And you have to answer this for you. Your wife can't answer it. Your parents can't answer it. Your friends can't answer it. When you think about your spiritual life, do you think my burden is light? When I ask you about your spiritual life, does the immediate thought that comes to your mind, Jesus saying, come to me, and, and you're thinking, my burden is light? Or is your first response, I am not doing enough? I, I'm just not doing enough. It's almost like you think God is up there and God's going to say to you, Drop down and give me 20 scripture verses right now. And when we have this, this thought process and, and, and the way we view God. And so the way we view it is it's an invitation to perform. And he's not asking us that. Because that's, that, that's, a, that's a performance-based faith. 
That's just not who he is. Rituals and checklists. Because maybe we grew up in church and those are the terms that were planted in our brain and, and, and so everything is built on that foundation. But church tradition and rituals and checklists, they, they can lead you to failure. Failure leads to guilt. Guilt leads to withdrawal. Withdrawal from God. Ultimately, withdrawal leads us to emptiness and we find ourselves in a place of spiritual emptiness, and it is not hard to land there. And if we were honest with, one, with, with each other, more often than not, we would have to say, yeah, yep, that fits. And maybe we grew up in a church that said, you know, to be right with you, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, and, and, and heaven forbid you should not do this. Because if you don't do this, then God is coming after you. In the reality, Jesus is saying, come unto me. My burden is light. Follow me. Be with me. He gives us an invitation to connect with him. Recharging happens when we connect with God. That's when it happens. When we actually connect with him. When I sit down with people who are close to me, I'm as comfortable as can be in my life group. When, when I sit down with people who are close to me and I eat with them and I talk with them and, and we, together, we together eat and we together talk and we together have fun, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't empty me out and drain me. It fills me and it builds me up. And that's what he desires in his relationship with us. And he also desires in our relationship with those close to us. Over the next three weeks, here's what I want to do. Each week, I just simply, I'm not, I'm not going to give us a list. I'm not going to give us homework to go home and do this homework. We're not, we're not gonna, I'm simply going to ask you to stop doing something and to start doing something. Three weeks. We're going to try this out for three weeks. Just stop doing something and then start. Start doing something. And this, this week, I, I want to ask all of us, myself included, is to stop feeling like a failure. Stop feeling like a failure. When you and I are spiritually empty, we, we can so often feel like a failure. Here's the reality. We are all failures in our attempt to be perfect. This is a broken world. That's why we need a Savior. We are never going to be perfect. It, it, you know, when, when we accept Christ as our Savior, he forgives our sins. And he's God. He, he, didn't, he did this in such a complete way through his son, Jesus Christ. That he didn't, he didn't just take us where we are and say, okay, here we go now. We, we'll start over and, and what's in the past is forgiven. Now, now we're going to start. He, he says, you don't have the ability to do this perfectly. So I'm going to pay for your sins in the past, the, the ones that you're in the middle of right now. Some of you, the, the, those are some of the thoughts that you're thinking. And, and even in the future, they are going to be 
paid for because of the work that Christ did on Calvary. It is so clear that we need to say this is the greatest message in the universe. In Romans chapter 3, look at, look at this with me. We, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. In other words, in God's sight, you and I are perfect because he sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only God can do this. Only God can do this. Look what he says. And we can all be saved in this same way. It's not just for some people and not for others. We can all be saved in the same way. And, you know, people say, well, wait a minute. You, you think you can only be saved through Jesus Christ? That's kind of narrow. No, no, no. It couldn't be more broad. He's saying anybody, everybody. There was a guy in the news just recently who killed how many people? Jesus is even talking about him. Everybody can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. Don't give me this narrow nonsense. It doesn't get broader than that. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard, yet Yet now God, in his gracious kindness to the religious people, to the good people, to the people who are of this race or that, no, 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 everybody in his glorious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sin. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for our life. And if you've never accepted that gift of salvation, I'd encourage you to do it this morning. Don't, don't wait another minute. Take him up on his gift this morning, sacrificing his life for our life. But many of us here are believers. And my challenge to us as believers, when we, when we feel spiritually drained, depleted, we feel like we're spiritually out of gas, stop feeling like a spiritual failure because you are not, you may feel that way, but you are not a spiritual failure. Jesus Christ gave his all to purchase you. You're saved by his grace because of his sacrifice. And, and the enemy, enemy of our soul, Satan, he, he, he wants to tell you that you should feel depleted, that, that you should feel this way. God says, no, no, no. I paid, I paid the highest price for you. You are that valuable to me. Some of us would say, well, I, I go to church because I, I mess up during the week. And, you know, some of us kind of see church as a spiritual car wash. We screw up during the week, and then on the weekends, we come to the car wash, and we get spiritually clean. 
our church background, for, for many of us, it, it kind of instilled this process in our thinking. And we mess up during the week, and we've got to get back in there and get, get it fixed on Sunday. Look what he says in Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. He paid the ultimate price for you and I so we could become his children. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you. He adores you. You are his child who he was willing to do anything to restore relationship with. Here's, here's what we need to just stop and talk to him as a friend. See, Jesus' invitation was an invitation into a relationship. God himself wants to be in that kind of relationship with us. When I'm in conversation with a close friend, I, I, don't, I don't feel pressured to perform. I'm just enjoying my relationship with that person. See, let's stop feeling like a failure, and let's start thinking of God as a friend. Think about the nicest and the best friend that you have. Jesus wants to be that to you and so far beyond. John 15, 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Now you are my friends. Is that clear? Can he get more clear than that? You are my friends. You know what's interesting about that passage of Scripture, I think? is the one that comes right before it. In John 15, 14, he's talking about faith and obedience. And as, you know, it, faith and, it, it takes faith and obedience to have this connection with God. Now, look, I don't understand, I, I don't fully understand the theology behind this. I mean, you, know, you, you, can, you can discuss it theologically, and, and you can come up with three, and then that's all fine. I, I can't say that I fully understand it. But over and over again, I see this pattern in Scripture. He so clearly says faith combined with obedience places you in right relationship with God. In other words, believing that he is the Son of God. And acting on that believing. So we have faith that he is the son of God and we're obedient when we act on it. And somehow he takes that and, and he makes it a part of this relationship. It, it triggers somehow this friendship with God. Here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. Here's the place that I've become comfortable. I've become comfortable understanding that God is my friend, that Jesus is my friend. Now, he's my Savior, but he is also my friend. And, and as I walk through life, he is walking through life with me. And here's what I know. In a couple of years, maybe 10, maybe 20, 
maybe more than that, maybe two, maybe tomorrow, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave this planet. And the moment, here's what I know, the moment that I leave this planet, I am going to be with my friend. I am going to be with my, I'm going to be in the presence of my friend. I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to slip into his presence and say, hold on a minute, and pull out a list and say, here are some of the things that I've done. He is not concerned about the do because he has done everything that needs to be done when he was nailed to the cross for your sins and for my sins. And we do all the stuff that we do because we love him. We do all the stuff that we do because he asked us to, because he left us with things to, because in this life he has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. But when it comes to being spiritually recharged, what is most important to him is that we be in relationship with him. I listed some things in your notes because we, we kind of get this stuff wrong. And so if you want to look at your notes with me quickly, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through it. I don't know if it's on the screen or not. See, connecting with God is not a, not a ritual. It's not church tradition. So, so often we think that's what it is. Connecting with God is not a ritual. It's about a relationship. It's not about performance. It's about presence, his presence with us. It's not about a religious show. It's about showing up and being involved. It's not I have to do this. It's I get to. It's not about guilt. It's all about grace. Getting what we don't deserve. And it's not about form. It's about friendship. We need to stop feeling like a failure. We, we just need to stop doing that because you are not a failure. You were purchased with a price. The price could not have been higher, and he was willing to pay it. He created you, and then he purchased you back because we were lost. Stop feeling like a failure. Start thinking of God as a friend. He gives an invitation to be in relationship and start looking for connection opportunities. Start looking for connection opportunities. When we feel empty and we need to be recharged, so often we start to think of the list of things that we think we have to do. And Jesus says, no, just come to me. It's an invitation to connect. Getting recharged is an invitation to connect. Next week, I want to talk about some several simple ways that you and I can do this, that we can reconnect with God. John and I will do it together. 
If you're in a life group, you're going to enjoy opening this up and talking about it and how can we apply this in our lives. If you're not in a life group, grab a card and fill it out and give us the opportunity to get you into one or take you and start one. Because in this passage of Scripture that Paul's writing, he says, God wants you and I to be recharged. He wants us to have more peace, more joy. He wants us to be happier. He wants our relationships to be more significant. He wants our conversations to be more meaningful. This all happens when we are recharged. And Paul's saying emptiness can be a thing of the past. You know, Wednesday morning, I woke up and I picked up my phone. Karen and I are a part of a, of a leadership coaching team, about 25 people lettered together with Chris Oakley. We actually spent a couple of days in uh, Chicago a couple of weeks ago with this group of people and this whole team, and we're focusing on, on leadership. And on Facebook, I, I just, and I, I'm not a big Facebook guy, but I picked up my phone, and that was on, on there with a group message, and I, w- I want to read it to you. I rem- remember the day l- like it was yesterday. I was super excited because a young boy who struggled with cancerous brain tumor had just made some strong gains towards his therapy goals. He was getting stronger after surgery. Both mom and dad were at the session, and I was truly I I truly enjoyed having a conversation with them about their son's progress. I I even remember where they were standing. They were great parents to their son. They were leaders in their church. They were well-respected in their community. I was living the dream, helping kids. I came to work the following week, and just so it happened, I picked up the local paper. There was an unidentified woman who had committed suicide by jumping off of a bridge over the weekend. It was the mother of this young boy. While I was looking at her son's progress, her despair was absent to me. While I was focused on what I thought was important, her hopelessness was reaching its final breath. While I was looking at her son's progress, doing what I was supposed to do according to my job description, I missed an underlying current of pain and suffering from someone only 10 feet away from me. I remembered thinking, this is not okay. We can often get caught up in the life, in life and, and think that our reality is all there is. But living life without hope is not life at all. Through this experience, hopelessness leads to death. So from this point, I started listening differently. I started reaching out to parents, learning, comprehending, embracing someone else's pain. I certainly still haven't, have a long way to go in this area, but I now strive to show that people matter. Relationships matter. Words of encouragement matter. Gratitude expressed matters. All because hope matters. And hope can be discovered. As a clinically trained pediatric physical therapist, I often get told that career sounds rewarding and noble. 
However, through experiences like the one above, I've had to wrestle with the following truth. What matters if a child takes another step and then returns and returns to their sport and recovers from their illness if they return to a hope without hope? Ultimately, our hope is found in Jesus. We know this is true. But it also means that as a follower of Christ, we must reach across the gap of despair and hopelessness to say, I care. I will listen. I will share hope with you. I woke up to that on Wednesday morning. And, and it was such a clear reminder in terms of our relationship and our calling as followers of Christ. But for me, it was also such a clear reminder that you and I so often, because we are spiritually empty, will accept that as the norm. And as followers of Christ, we will walk through life accepting that as the norm. And that was not Jesus' intent. His intent was that you and I would follow him closely. So closely that, that we would bump into each other from time to time. So, so closely that we would be in relationship with him. And as Paul says, we, we, would, we would live in the benefit of that. And, and this power that God desires to be in all of our lives would be self-evident in our relationship with him, and our relationship with others. Stand with me. Let's pray together. Over the next three weeks, guys, I want to look at this passage of Scripture. Dream with me. I, 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 want, to, I, I want God to, to do this in our lives. Let him, let him draw us to the place that Paul is talking about. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's so great, you're never going to understand it. And you'll be filled with the fullness and the life and the power that he has. He wants this for all of us. He, he invites the, the, the way to recharge in our relationship with God is to move closer in our relationship with him. Father, thank you so much for loving us the way you do, for being willing to do whatever it takes and we're so grateful that you being God understood clearly what it would take. And you were still willing to do that for us. For each one here this morning, those of us who are, 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 are followers, those of us who are in your family, God, may we be willing to come boldly. May we, may we be willing throughout the day over and over to have our conversation with you. And may we just live in that. May that be a choice that we make. And those that are here this morning that have never accepted you as their Savior. Matter of fact, let me give you that opportunity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, Romans is so clear here what it means. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. That means you believe that he was the Son of God and he died on the cross and paid for your sins and for my sins. And just by believing that, you become a part of his. You become one of God's 
children. You've always been his creation, but now you become one of his children because he paid the price. And you recognize that. And Paul says you believe that, and that makes you one of his. If that's you this morning, just for my sake, uh, as every head bowed, every eye closed, just slip your hand up and put it back down if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior. And let me pray with you real quickly. Yes. Father, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for that hand. Lord, I pray that there would just be such clarity. I pray that your Holy Spirit would make this so clear. I pray, Father, that your arms of love would, would wrap around that person. Lord, I pray that they know with beyond the shadow of a doubt that they recognize who you are and leave this place knowing that they're your child. We're excited about that. Lord, bless us all as we leave here this morning. Bless our prayer team as we pray with those who come forward. We love you. And Father, over the next three weeks, help us to become so much more comfortable with you as our friend. In your name we pray, and everyone said, amen.